In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and in today's show, uh, we've got a whole heap of cruise news to get through. Uh, so much so, in fact, because we did take uh, a week or so off. Uh, I'm going to quickly bounce through some of the older news just to uh, bring you up to speed, some of which has changed a little bit. And then Chris is going to be joining us with uh, his maritime history, of course, and uh, all of the, the, the latest cruise news that's happened over the last seven days. So quickly, to bring you back up to speed, about a week or so ago, Crystal uh, Cruises resumed cruise operations on board Crystal Serenity out of the port of Nassau. Uh, Carnival also restarted out of the port of Miami with Carnival Horizon. Um, and then Fred Olsen should have actually restarted cruises uh, with the inaugural sailing of Borealis, but they had a few technical issues, uh, which they thought had all been uh, ironed out in the sea trials, but uh, they uh, erred on the side of caution and actually cancelled that first cruise um, just to make sure that everything is 100% great for the, the first guest experience. Meanwhile, Royal Caribbean uh, recommenced sailing on the 4th of July on board Freedom of the Seas. That cruise was departing out of the uh, the port of Miami. Meanwhile, Celebrity Silhouette uh, re- started cruising out of the UK, this time out of the port of Southampton. And that silhouette has also undergone a major refurbishment. In fact, I'm trying to get one of our good friends from the UK to come and join us and talk all about what's been happening with her. Staying in the Celebrity family uh, over in the Galapagos, Celebrity Flora has restarted uh, her cruise operations and the, uh, the sisters Celebrity Expedition and Celebrity Exploration will also be restarting a little later in the year too. Back to the UK where P&O UK uh, announced that in August, on August the 7th to be precise, um, they will be having a, a whole array of festivities including fireworks as the inaugural season and the inaugural sailing for Yona does get underway. And that's pretty much what's happened over the last week or so when uh, myself and Chris were off. Uh, as I said in the last episode, I was a little unwell, but uh, last week Chris also had the opportunity to get away and have a bit of family time. And uh, great to say that Chris is back in the studio. Hey, Chris. Hey, Baz. Nice to be back. 
Yes, it is. It is. And I've got some great news to, to share with you, actually, mate. We had a couple of comments from some of our great listeners. Okay. And uh, I normally do that in the first part of the show when the intro, but I thought I'd wait till you're on the line because a couple of these are very specific to you as well. Oh, right. So first of all, Francis said... A whole episode of Maritime History Chat, absolute music to my ears. And that, of course, <laughs> refers to last week's episode. Oh, so. my little six-minute ramble about the uh, <laughs> transatlantics. Thanks so much, Francis. That's lovely. Yeah, no, it was. And uh, also, Brendan wrote in to say, thank you, Chris, for this little gem during your holidays. And Baz, and, and Baz, both Pam and I also hope you get better soon. I am much better. Thank you for saying that. Uh, we listen each and every week. The Cruise Line owe you more than a coffee for this wonderful, positive cruise news that you share. Well, thanks again to, <laughs> to Brendan for that one. Well, yes, I think we agree, don't we, Baz? <laughs> we do, we do. We will, uh, can't wait to get back out there. As uh, some of our colleagues are doing around the world, um, experiencing cruises for the first time, our time will come once uh, once things have settled down here in Australia. And for those of you that are outside of Australia, things are not great on the East Coast. Uh, everything is pretty much in lockdown over here in the West. We are still free to, to do our thing. So we're very lucky in, in that, uh, that, re- that uh, respect, I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I, I do get questions quite a lot about um, how Australia has fared through um, uh, COVID. And one of the interesting things is that each state, um, for those international listeners, has its own sort of way that they've handled handled this. So at the moment, um, as Baz mentions, you know, um, the East Coast, particularly uh, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, South Australia, they're all in lockdown. But um, New South, uh, rather Northern Territory, Tasmania and Western Australia are currently not. So um, fingers crossed that the situation improves. Exactly. Now, uh, it's always great to get you back, Chris, because we love maritime history, as do the listeners. Now, uh, you, your timely maritime history this week is all about Fred Olson, which we just briefly spoke about. But uh, hmm. what, what, what's, what's the story this week, mate? Well, I thought it was an interesting one because obviously they have been um, changing their fleet quite a bit. They've got two new ships. And uh, as you mentioned, of course, um, <clears throat> we're planning to... to commence uh, inaugural voyages but these ships and and the brand itself outside of the uk might might not be one of the most known um cruise lines around there but it's actually had a very long heritage Mm, yeah yeah, it has it so it dates back um over 170 years um and all the way back to the 1840s um the first so it's it's a family business which is which is one of the things that's really interesting it's been run by generations of the olsen family and um, the first uh, owner um, and, and person who, who sort of founded the company was Frederick Olson. And his brothers were also captains of ships and they became ship owners. So the, the family had a sort of a long, deep-rooted connection with shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the company grew in terms of its size from small sort of sailing ships up to um, uh, powered vessels, a variety of different members of the Olsen family were involved in operations and running of the company. In 1875, Peter Olsen took over. And then in 1884, Thomas Fred Olsen um, took command of one of his father's vessels at the age of 23. Oh, wow. So captain at 23, is pretty impressive. Um, and so that was the sort of foundation years of, of, the, of the company. Um, and then if you fast forward to the 20th century, um, by 1914, the the operation included 44 ships. So, um, you know, they're much smaller than, than modern-day passenger ships, but 44 ships is, is, a, is a big fleet. Mm. Um, sadly, during uh, World War I, 23 of those ships were lost uh, due to the conflict, which is 
um, a tragedy, of course, and it's quite a similar story to um, how fleets across across the world, particularly in Europe, were um, were decimated during during World War One. Um, but the company rebounded, and by 1926, it in introduced rather its um, first diesel-powered ship in an era where most passenger ships were still powered by by steam. Um, so they were a bit ahead of ahead of the curve there. Mm. Um, and that was a ship called the Brambant. Uh, and so she operated using diesel engines. Um, and this was sort of a, a bit of a trend with sort of smaller motor vessels, including um, in, the, in the UK, they had some, some relatively large ones with the Georgic and the um, Britannic from White Star Line. But this, that, this, uh, this Fred Olsen ship predates those um, by, by several years. Uh, and then so the organization continued right the way through to World War II, um, where again, um, they had a very sort of significant um, loss of ships during that conflict as well. And that included actually two relatively new ships that had been built for them, um, which were named the Black Watch and the Black Prince. Mm. Um, and these are names that will come up again because like many passenger shipping companies, Fred Olsen reuses famous names from its heritage. And so many people will recognize Black Watch and probably Black Prince, but these these were the pre- predecessors of the ones that you probably remember. Um, yeah that pre-World War II era. Um, and then the, the post-World War II, there was, um, you know, the 1950s, it was a real boom in passenger travel and particularly um, the scale and scope of ships that were being built uh, uh, after the war. And so Fred Olsen's fleet grew uh, not only in tonnage but also in sophistication, I suppose, in the way the ships were constructed, um, which gave them sort of like a, a, a renaissance period, I suppose. Um, like many shipping lines experienced in the 1950s, those that survived um, survived the war. And then in 1966, uh, two new ships were put into service, a new Black Watch and a new Black Prince. Uh, they entered service with Fred Olsen. And Black Prince is the one that you probably want to focus on because in 1987, she was given a, a significant refurbishment um, and became a long-term cruise ship for Fred Olsen, um, offering cruises rather than line voyages. Uh, and she actually started the tradition of Fred Olsen's voyages from, from Europe and the UK to ports like Cardiz and the Canaries, which they still do you know, yeah. offer to this day. Um, so Black Prince was, by today's standards, a small ship, but she remained in service um, uh, for several decades after her refurbishment and was, uh, was, was a fa- favourite amongst sort of traditionalists who wanted to travel on the older style of ship. So she stayed with the fleet for a bit. Um, and then in 1996, they went about sort of full force into the cruising, I suppose. They purchased the former Royal Viking Star, which had also traveled as the westward for Norwegian cruise lines in the Star Odyssey. Um, and she became um, the cruise ship for them. It was given a pretty, pretty significant refit and was renamed Black Watch. So again, re- 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 um, reusing those famous names. And she stayed with the fleet until 2020. We've spoken about her quite a bit. Um, one of those beautiful old um, Royal Viking ships with yeah. a heritage back to the 1970s. Um, in 2001, um, the, the Bremer, which was actually a um, Crown cruise line ship when it was first put into service, actually sailed with Cunard for a while um, in the 1990s, but she ended up being purchased by, by Fred Olsen. And in 2001, she was lengthened mm-hmm. um, in Bremerhaven. Uh, which is a pretty cool process. And you can actually still find some some good information and videos online which shows the ship being cut in half and a new section being put inside. So she was significantly larger after her, her refit and she remains with them to this day. 
Um, and then another ship in 2006 entered service, and this is the Boudicca, which is a sister ship to the Black Watch, and she also stayed with the company until 2020. Um, 2008 saw the introduction of Belmoral, which is um, was prior to the COVID shutdown, the largest largest ship in their fleet. Uh, and she was another one that had been had been bought from having previous owners. She was Royal Cruise Lines Crown Odyssey, but probably is better known um, as Norwegian Crown for Norwegian Cruise Line because she sailed with them for, for many years mm-hmm. um, under that name. But she's been with Fred Olsen since 2008. And that was the fleet at the, at the time when the, the cruise shutdown happened. Um, ships like Boudicca and Black Watch used to actually be sent on world cruises. They actually sailed through New Zealand and Australia and into yeah. Asia quite, quite regularly. So many listeners from around the world probably recognize them. Um, but they were withdrawn, those two were withdrawn from service in 2020 and sold to become accommodation ships in Turkey and then have now um, been unsold to be scrapped, which is, which is sad to see. But to replace them, um, Fred Olsen uh, acquired the former Amsterdam and Rotterdam mm. from Holland America Line, which are very nice ships. Um, and they've been renamed Belette and Borealis. And of course, those are the ones that you were talking about earlier when it comes to the resumption of cruising with their new ships, and yeah. they're by far the largest ships in the Fred Olsen fleet. And so we now have four ships, or they now have four ships in their fleet, uh, Bolette, Borealis, Bremer, and uh, the Balmoral. So when um, things get back to fully normal, you should see the four of them sailing around for some time to come. And the company is still under the control of the um, fifth generation now of Olsen family members. Because am I right in thinking that it was a, well, it it's maybe still is a Norwegian company, but the brand itself is most recognized in the UK? Well, the cruise brand, yes, because um, many of their cruises are done out of um, UK ports. But Fred Olsen also has other interests in other parts of, um, of the shipping and uh, transportation industry as well. So um, it isn't just the cruise line, but mm-hmm. the cruise line is probably what we all as um, cruise enthusiasts know the brand for. Um, but, you know, when you look back to that original um, foundation of the company, it was, you know, in the era before cruising was a popular thing to do. So that to transportation and, um, uh, and uh, you know, commercial links uh, still, still forms a part of uh, the company culture. Yeah, because I think they also still operate the, the inter-island ferries and the Canary Islands, which is part of the Spanish territory, of course, as well. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an interesting organization and one that, you know, you hear all these things about these companies that have had long heritages, such as Cunard and uh, Holland America and all that. But Fred Olsen's up there with the with the best of them when it comes to yeah. having been around and seen a lot of stuff. So off the top of your head, do you think it's probably like the third, possibly the fourth oldest cruise line in the world? Oh, I mean, um, up there? yeah. Well, I mean, if it's, if it's um, dating back to... What is it? Um, 1848. I mean, Cunard was founded in 1839 and it did its first voyages in 1840. P&O's, the heritage can be traced back earlier than that, but P&O as a brand yeah. is around about that age as well. Um, Holland America is a little bit younger, but still, again, around about that age. So, yeah, it's definitely one of the um, – it's Top not five. one of the new ones, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like Brilliant. the ones that are so well-known, the carnivals and the – Royal Caribbeans and the Norwegian cruise lines, you know, their heritage, whilst, you know, impressive and important, dates back to the 1960s and 50s, 60s and 70s, that kind of era, rather than yeah, the yeah. 1800s, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Big difference. Very much. 
Brilliant update there, Chris, and I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate that maritime history in all things about Fred Olsen, which, as you say, a very, very popular brand over in the UK. And we, we do occasionally get to see their ships as they come through uh, the yeah. Australian waters down here. I got a chance to, to um, spend a day on board um, uh, Boudicca uh, in 2019, of course, before um, uh, all of this chaos happened, um, and, and also um, uh, Bremer. As well, and one of the interesting things that I, I found about um, Braemar is that on the on the hull, on the superstructure, the the, the ship's original company that uh, that built it and owned it um, was uh, Crown Cruise Line, and then they went into a joint venture with with Cunard. So she she was operated by Cunard on behalf of Crown, but they had the this this Crown logo that was welded onto the hull on both sides, oh, and wow. she then had you know various incarnations before she was bought and refurbished and lengthened by Fred Olsen. And one of the things I thought was really nice is that that crown logo was still welded onto the ship and they'd actually painted it in gold, sort of highlight it and give it that little connection with the ship's yeah. heritage. So she's she's a, definitely a Fred Olsen ship. She feels like a Fred Olsen ship, but she has a heritage and they're not afraid to share that. And it was the same with um, uh, Boudicca as well. Like she was an older ship but they weren't trying to shy away from the fact that she was an older ship. They kind of embraced her, her, her past and her heritage. And so I, I feel quite upbeat about the idea of um, them operating Amsterdam and Rotterdam because I think they'll, they'll do those ships justice, justice not, yeah, just, yeah. not just the brand, but the ships as well. Yeah, because they were beautiful ships, absolutely. Now let's take a quick break, Chris, and then we're going to come straight back in and have a whole heap of cruise news that's happened over the last seven days. Okay, Chris, we've had so much happen in the last seven days yet again, so let's jump straight into the latest cruise news. First of all, uh, from Carnival Corporation, which of course is one of the biggest uh, groups in the cruise market, they've announced that they intend to have 75% of their fleet operational by the end of 2021. Yeah, it's quite a remarkable um, sort of milestone that that would be. Um, and this would this obviously Carnival owns a number of different brands, as, as you well know, Baz. Um, so this um, capacity, I suppose, is spread across a variety of different Carnival-owned um, lines. Um, so that's Aida, of course, Costa, uh, Cunard, Holland America, Princess, and P&O Cruises in the UK, as well as Seaborn. And then the one I should really sort of focus on, uh, what I think will be good to focus on as well, is, is Carnival Cruise Lines itself, mm-hmm. because they've as a cruise brand have announced that they're going to be putting more ships in to operations in September. Yeah. Um, and that includes um, Carnival Glory from New Orleans, Carnival Pride from Baltimore and Carnival Dream from Galveston all in September. And then in October, they're also going to be reintroducing Carnival Conquest, um, Freedom and Sensation. Um, the first two um, from Miami and then Sensation from uh, Mobile, and then uh, additionally Carnival Elevation, um, sorry, Carnival Elation, I should say, uh, from Port Canaveral. (laughs) Elevation, I don't know where I got that from, but there we go. Maybe that's the name of the next Carnival ship. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, a lot of ships coming into into service over uh, over the next few months over there in the US market. 
Yeah, no, there is because uh, you know people assume that Carnival, being an American company, has got just American brands. But of course, yeah, have got the cost, the the European brands of Costa, Aida, Pino UK, and uh, Cunard, of course, all in that mix. And of course, down here we've also got Carnival Australia representing Pino Australia, which uh, of course is uh, probably going to be one of the last cruise brands, unfortunately, to be back in the market due to our situation down here. But let's not dwell on that fact. Uh, let's head uh, into the news from Royal Caribbean, who were the first cruise line to head back to Alaska. Yes, absolutely. So um, first Alaskan season <laughs> since 2019, which sounds like a very long time ago. Um, and they're, they're sort of um, spearheading that, I guess, with Serenade of the Seas. Um, so she's already undertaken her um, or started her first seven night cruise departing from Seattle. And they've said that 97% of the people on board the ship uh, are fully vaccinated. So you know, we're seeing more and more of that where the vaccination is, of course, the key to, to unlocking travel. Yeah. Um, and so far, you know, so far as we know, that's, that's, the, best, that's the best way forward. And then um, Ovation of the Seas will be the second one, and she'll be joining uh, Serenade in August, undertaking um, Alaskan voyages as well. Yeah, and interestingly, by the time this goes to air, uh, both Holland America and Princess will have also restarted cruises out of Seattle, heading mm. up to Alaska. So I think Saturday, twenty fourth is Holland America, and Sunday for Princess. I think for, for top of my head as well. So, so great so to do see. You, do you know? I mean, question without notice. But is is mm-hmm. this now? Um, they've allowed them to do these Alaskan cruises without a stop in Canada. Yes, yes, they yeah. they finally uh, passed through that. Uh, the, the consideration to allow them to not have to go to uh, Vancouver Island or to go to an international port whilst cruising from a US port. So whilst they can't cruise out of Vancouver because that cruise ban still does exist uh, cruising out of Canada, the, the cruise lines now can depart from Seattle or other US ports mm. and don't necessarily have to go to an international port temporarily. I don't know how long they've agreed for this to happen, yeah. but it's certainly very important for the, the economy of the people of Alaska, because cruising and the the infrastructure and the, the people that this brings to Alaska is pretty around about eighty something percent of the mm. uh, the economy. It's incredible numbers. It's interesting because if you if you if you read some of the online stories that have been published, it would seem that the locals in these ports in Alaska have been really quite enjoying the quiet from the lack of cruise ships. But what what you don't you don't see is um, not much coverage about like the devastation it's done to the businesses and stuff. And so I think, yeah. you know, there is this balance, um, obviously, that the cruise ships bring so much um, in the way of opportunities and jobs and finances and that sort of thing. And so many areas are still doing it so tough with the, with the travel restrictions that are in. Um, understandably, the travel restrictions that are in, of course. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is definitely more than meets the eye when it comes to the impact that cruise ships have, the positive impact for people and their livelihoods. Yeah, and we're going to I think we're going to see a more balanced approach with things you know we've heard separately that Venice has banned ultimately banned big cruise ships that's been on the cards for a long long time uh, and probably did need to happen um, but they do need still need tourism they still do need their economy to tick over so there will yeah. still be visits by smaller ships and the big ships will visit and park elsewhere and send people in by by coach etc so yeah. um, it's it's just about doing the right thing where we can to to balance that approach I guess. Absolutely. And I think that one of the interesting things about cruise itineraries as well is that there's so many other ports around the world that prior to the cruise shutdown were trying to attract yeah. cruise ships that, you know, Venice, I love Venice. It's an absolutely beautiful place. It's wonderful to visit by land, like not on a cruise ship because you can spend some time there. But there might yeah. be other ports that, that you don't think of or aren't as easy to get to um, by air or whatever that the cruise ships could take you to. So it does give the cruise lines an opportunity to look, you know, think a little bit different, think outside the box. Um, 
and I and I remember you know in Australia before the cruise ban um, came into place, cruise lines were looking at ports you know up the uh, coast of New South Wales. There was a variety of new ports being opened up in Western Australia. They were visiting Bustleton and Albany more often and Exmouth for snorkeling trips and that sort of thing. Places that aren't so easy to get to um, uh, by car or by airplane. And so, you know, that's, I think, the approach that, that some of them will take um, with, with the restrictions in places like Venice. Couldn't agree more. And the cruise line that is uh, embracing all things um, new, of course, is Norwegian Cruise Line. They've currently got their Embark TV series out mm. and episode one and two have already aired. But episode three is on the way. It is, yeah. So they've kind of um, been sort of celebrating, I suppose, their 55-year um, history, heritage. Um, Sounds so young compared to Fred Olsen. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's just it. But it's nice to see, though, that, you know, carnivals are similar um, uh, with, with some of their ships coming out um, with the, the old heritage names um, and even Royal Caribbean sort of taking pride in in the history because they've been so significant in the cruise industry, you know, um, and, and, and NCL is one of those. So it's giving you sort of this... Um, just look behind the scenes as to how they're uh, approaching their restart. And I think that they were saying that the next episode is really going to focus on um, the technologies that they've used to try and um, revolutionize, I suppose, the passenger experience through contactless technologies to help on board the ships. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, the, the link uh, to the episode or the, the teaser for the episode will be in the show notes, but this is expected to air on 30 July, 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time um, and links to different times for yeah. wherever you may be listening in the world. I think they've got a, um, a page about it on their website as well. I think it's ncl.com yeah, exactly. slash embark. Perfect. Love it. Um, a couple of news stories now from Princess. Uh, the first one I absolutely love because it's a local story from Princess here in Australia. Mm. And given all of the terrible publicity that uh, unfortunately they received uh, some time ago, imp- impressive, really impressive to know that uh, when the an independent body did a, an impromptu brand recall when thinking of cruise, who was the number one cruise line that came to mind for positivity? It was Princess. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. I love it. 41%, 41% of respondents. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't have a marketing background, unprompted brand recalls when a research provider will ask you, tell me cruise lines that you think positive. Well, in this situation, I imagine it was something along the lines of tell me cruise li- names of cruise lines that you feel positive about. But they don't tell you the cruise line's names. They wait for you to remember them. Yep. So... That's why it's unprompted. There's also prompted research where they'd say, here's a list of 15 cruise lines. Which ones do you think most positive about? But then you've got them in front of you. So the, the, yeah. the bonus with this is it's not just that um, Princess was you know, known for its positivity, but it's that people remembered Princess for that reason, according yeah. to this um, to this unprompted closely, research. Closely followed by Sister Brand as well, P&O yes, Australia with P&O 40%. Australia, yep. So, I mean, it's not un, I'm not surprised by these results, to be honest, because the brands that are that are remembered the most are the ones with the biggest footprint in, in, in Australia. So it's yeah. um, Princess, which has a you know, pretty sizable footprint here, um, 1% lower as P&O Australia. That's, that's very, basically the same, very similar result. Um, and then Carnival down at 30%. Um, and Royal Caribbean 26. But, I mean, all these are, are unprompted, again, as I mentioned. Yeah. So this is people just remembering them off the top of their head. Um, and then there's other cruise lines, including Celebrity and Norwegian and Viking that, that are, that are well-remembered. A few that I'm surprised didn't make the list, but, um, again, it depends 
I, I don't know what the methodology was behind it or depends on exactly who was being asked or what segments, that sort of thing, but really good um, uh, to see that Princess has, uh, has had a nice positive experience here in, in Australia with these results. <laughs> and Princess this week also announced the uh, the senior officers are going to be on board the latest ship, which will be launched, which is, of course, going to be Discovery Princess. Yes, yeah, so it's only about 200 days to go until the next Princess um, ship, Discovery Princess, makes her maiden voyages. Um, she'll be based in the port of Los Angeles and will be sailing to, you know, on the Californian um, west coast there, as well as down to Mexico. And she's another one that's been built at uh, Fincantieri and will have a capacity of about 3,660 passengers. Um, she's a sister ship to Royal Princess, um, Majestic Sky, Enchanted and Regal Princess. So she's of that same class, which I believe is the Royal class. Um, yeah, that's Royal right. Caribbean. Yeah. Yep. And uh, of course, like all the other princess ships now, she has the medallion experience on board um, and has all sorts of you know nice amenities um, on board the ship. But in terms of the the senior officers, Baz, um, who have they who have they announced? Uh, captain Armour is oh, yes. uh, going to be the, uh, the the captain who has been around in the Princess family yeah. for, for quite some time. Yes, he's got an experienced team assisting him. We've got Chief Engineer Vincenzo Alfi, Staff Captain Alessandro Genzo, and Hotel General Manager Richard Harry. And of course, as a backup team for when they those people are actually on leave, where we have Captain John Smith taking the the helm. Uh, whilst Captain Armour's on leave and Chief Engineer will be handing over to uh, Tomislav Lioka, I think it's pronounced. Staff Captain will be Peter Lessig and Total General Manager will be Jesper Wolfius. You know, it's really nice to see that they're making um, uh, kind of a connection between more and more cruise lines are doing this now. It's something that used to be done a lot with the ocean liners and it used to be done a lot on the early, you know, up even until the 1990s where cruise ships had a team who stayed with their ship Mm-hmm. And um, they made a big deal out of who was your captain and who was your um, hotel manager and who was the staff captain and who was the, the chief engineer. Yeah. And you knew them and they, were, they knew their ship. And, you know, you're seeing this with Princess announcing these, these people and, and also talking about who the backup team is. But also if we look at, um, say, Celebrity, for example, you know, probably their most famous captain is Captain Kate. Mm-hmm. She's with Celebrity Edge, but she stayed with Celebrity Edge even though Apex came into service. They kind of kept yeah, yeah. her with her ship. Um, and, and there's been such a thing in the cruise industry of the captains and crews and stuff moving around. And I think it's quite nice for passengers to know who their team is going to be, who their, um, captain and and officers will be on their ship, because they're the people that, um, sort of are are making that experience, the experience it is for you. Yeah. I I forget his name. There's a captain on board. Majestic Princess. Um, I forget his name right now, but he's got a really loyal following and he does have a lot of passengers that uh, cruise with him on that yeah. particular ship just yeah. because they love him and what his team does for them on there. Well, I mean, we've spoken teams. before about um, P&O UK's Wesley Dunlop, yeah, yeah. Who, who seems to have, because um, he was with Aurora for quite a long time and then he went to flagship Britannia and now he's taken the newest ship, um, Iona. But, you know, he's got a, a, a loyal fan base, I suppose. Um, yep. You look at Cunard as well, another one that for a long time had dedicated captains for their, their ships. I mean, we had Captain Warwick and Commodore Burton Hall on board the QE2 for years um, and then Commodore Warwick um, at QM2 for, for years. But now you've got Captain Hashmi on QM2. You've got uh, Captain uh, Inga Klein Thorkhouse uh, on Queen Elizabeth um, and um, Andy Hall on Queen Victoria. And the ships just have like their their team on board which was which has been 
quite nice to see yeah. um, sort of being reintroduced, I suppose. No, it is. And I love it. And uh, the guests will also love it, I'm sure. Let's um, let's head over to Oceania next, who've introduced the, uh, the stateroom designs for their new ship, Vista. Yeah, sounds very fancy. Um, mm. <laughs> so uh, basically, uh, every stateroom and suite on board will have um, a series of kind of enhancements, I suppose, as opposed to your baseline crews. Um, so there's like things like uh, rainforest showers, um, which sounds glorious. One of the things I struggle <laughs> with on a cruise ship, given I'm quite tall, is is, is fitting in underneath the showers. So a rain, <laughs> rain, rainforest shower, I should say, does sound very appealing. Uh, and then on the penthouse, Oceania and Vista Suites, um, there's going to be they're basically like residences at sea, I suppose. So they've got living space, dining space, entertaining space, um, and the Vista will actually feature a new category um, of staterooms that also have a concierge, um, mm. which are dedicated to, or concierge level, um, they call it, and it's dedicated to solo travellers. So there's, again, another push by cruise lines to kind of go back to the past and start really focusing on um, single travellers, which is something that the ocean liner companies used to do very well up until um, the cruise boom. So it's nice to see them doing that. Because one of the big complaints you get from single travellers is they have to pay um, yeah. you know, for, for a twin cabin and it feels a bit funny to be travelling alone on a, in a cabin designed for two. So it's nice to see that there's more focus being put on, on these new ships for, for solo travellers as well. Yeah, we've definitely seen that over the last, uh, I'd say, five or so years, more yeah. and more the, the ships are accommodating there. And, of course, Vista will be uh, available for bookings, or sorry, available for viewing of her itineraries from the 10th of September mm. and will go on sale the following week on the 16th of September for those people that are keen to be mm. one of the first to experience her. Now, staying with Oceania, we've also got a debut of 2022 Europe and Tahiti cruises. That's correct, yeah. So um, 16 new uh, voyages. Um and this is focusing on trips on board Nautica and Regatta. Um, so Nautica is going to be traveling um, April through to June of next year um, in a series of voyages and cruises in Europe. They range up to 24 days in length. So it's, um, you know, you can have quite a substantial uh, holiday on board. And of course, like with all other cruise lines, you could, if you wanted to, do back-to-back trips if you wanted to be away for even longer. Um, and then we're going to places including the Italian and French Rivieras, uh, the Holy Lands, the Canary Islands, and the Greek Isles. And then uh, Regatta, she's going to be undertaking voyages in Tahiti. Yeah, um, very popular. Yeah, right. And something that she she was doing prior to the cruise pause. So it'll be great for them to do that. And that's, that all kicks off in February of 2022. Yes, and of course they're referring to... Um... Uh, regatta is better than you because she will be having those enhancements as part of the Oceania Next program as well. And moving on to Quirk Expeditions now, uh, very popular in the expedition uh, market, of course. They have just unveiled their new polar helicopter program, and I have to say they look pretty impressive. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so it's an, it's an impressive-looking helicopter too. It's a, an Airbus H145, um, also known as a Eurocopter EC145 on which branding you're going by. Um, oh, and you, the little um, aviation geek as well. Well, yes. I mean, for anyone who's a listener who doesn't know, I actually also I also do have uh, aviation um, history background. <laughs> and I write for Australian Aviation Magazine um, and uh, Airliner World and Airports of the World. So you might see you might see a bit of a crossover there. I'm a bit of a, a bit of an av geek. <laughs> um, 
but yes, yeah, so um, one of the uh, so these particular um, types of helicopters they've been around since 1999. Um, the, the type, not necessarily the ones that um, Quark have bought. Um, yeah, but they've it's, got new so ones. <laughs> yeah, of course. So it's got a it's got a um, um, a good uh, good heritage. It's, it's a well known, well used. I think there's about 1,600 of them that have been built. So, and they can um, they can see multiple passengers. They've got big windows, so you've got a lovely view um on board on board the um, aircraft and um will be great for these uh sort of immersive um expedition helicopter flights and you know particularly if you're going into places that are difficult to get to by by foot or by vehicle like the polar regions um and you know i haven't been into the polar regions on a helicopter but i have done um the norwegian fjords um off a cruise ship by helicopter and uh you know to be able to get into those Areas you just can't get to over land on the mm. helicopter. It's a really unique experience, so it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and it's great to see that uh, flight seeing or some type of flight seeing is included for every guest. But then they've got optional activities that people mm. can uh, partake in, including the heli hiking, the alpine kayaking, exclusive ice sheet heli landings, and much, much more. So uh, great to see uh, these expedition companies pushing the, the boundaries yeah. of what they offer to the guests, which keeps it very interesting, of course. Sure does. Now, Aida, which of course is the uh, the German brand for the Carnival family, they've also expanded their cruise program with new voyages for Aida Prima and Aida Blue. Yeah, this is correct. So Aida Prima will be undertaking, or expanding rather, um, and lengthening its Hamburg season. So um, and Aida is a is a primarily, I suppose, a German brand. Mm-hmm. So that would be great for um, European and German travellers to have those extra choices to a variety of different um, ports throughout Western Europe. And those trips will be from October of this year through to April of next year. Uh, and then Aida Blue, um, so she's going to be undertaking a Greek cruise season, but then she'll reposition to the Canaries um, from November through to the end of this year. Um, and then starting next year, she will then um, double back on herself, I suppose, and go back into the Mediterranean. And she'll be doing a series of seven-day cruises. Um, that takes her through to sort of the end of February. And then from there, she'll focus on uh, voyages from Civitavecchia and going through to Greece uh, up until April. So Brilliant. they've got a, quite a variety of different itineraries there, moving the ships around a little bit um, as they sort of bring new ones back online. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, let's come back home closer to Australia briefly. Uh, we did meet up with the Coral team, of course, when the Coral Expeditions had their ship here in Fremantle, but they've just undertaken a brilliant activity on the Barrier Reef, uh, mm. the Citizen Science Expedition. Tell us about it. Yeah, so they're working in conjunction with Australian Geographic and GBR Legacy. Um, and this is a small ship cruise line, so we've spoken about it. Obviously, you can see a video, uh, videos about it on their website. They've got small ships, about 99 passengers during the COVID era. Um, and uh, it's sort of like connecting people who are interested in expedition but also the science behind these sorts of things. And the Great Barrier Reef has obviously been such a topic of conversation recently. Um, I saw in the news that it's managed to secure its um, World Heritage listing mm. for a bit longer because, of course, there's some concerns about the, the Barrier Reef. Um, and so it gives an opportunity for people to learn from experts about this remarkable um, natural wonder um, and they had um, 
other experts who talked about the wild, the, the wildlife that lives there and, and the, the creatures that, that come into the barrier reef, such as um, minke whales. They had an expert who spoke about that. Um, and they had people from GBR Legacy um, who were sort of running the whole project. So, um, and at the end of it all, uh, Coral Expeditions um, and their guests contributed around $30,000 in funding um, towards the Great Barrier Reef Legacy um, Living Biobank Project. So it's um, more than just a cruise. It can actually give back to, to the environment. Yeah, no, it is. And they do this in a variety of different destinations there. But I'm just going to give a shameless plug for Western Australia here. For for those people that are international and you know come down to Australia and they straight away think they want to go to the, the Barrier Reef, there's actually a what I would say is probably a more impressive reef here off the west coast of Australia called Ningaloo. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, you've got a few different options. You don't straight away have to go straight over to the east coast. Maybe consider coming or going via the west coast and heading up to Ningaloo because there is so, there's a, you know, such a, an expanse of co- protected coral and all of the wildlife, including, of course, whale sharks, which you can swim with if you want to. Mm. Um, it's just another option for guests that probably don't know about it here in Australia. Hopefully one day we'll be able to welcome our international friends back and they can explore this wonderful country. (laughs) Now stay with us, guys. We did say it was a long cruise news, but I've got one last story. It's not necessarily cruise, but it is maritime, which is one of the reasons that I threw it in there. But Stena Roll-On Roll-Off, which is a ferry operator, has ordered some new ships, Chris. Yes, so their 11th and 12th um, E-Flexa-class vessels. Um, and they've been ordered by a shipyard, um, CMI Jinlang in China, um, and will join the fleet in 2024 and 25. Now, row, row, um, or roll on, roll off ferries in some cases are as big as medium to small to medium sized cruise ships, which, um, you know, gets people sometimes like, I mean, just from a local perspective, I do know, you know, we've obviously had the cruise ban here, the cruise pause here in Australia, um, even coral expeditions with their small ships can't have, I think, over 99 passengers or thereabouts. But the the ferry by Spirit of Tasmania, for example, which are the size of the Lusitania, <laughs> are still <laughs> oper- well were until the latest lockdown, still operating across the, the Tasman um, with with people on board. So um, the, these ships are significant in terms of size. Anyway, back to Stena. Um, these ships here, again, of course, being built um, across uh, in. Um, in China, they'll then make their way to, to Europe and they'll be operating between Portsmouth um, and ports in France, which of course is that sort of tra- trans channel service that they have going there. Um, and yeah, so this sort of is the latest in this particular class of ships, the first of which was delivered in autumn of last year and uh, more are coming online. So we'll just see more and more of these uh, new style ferries. Um, joining that uh, trans-channel service. Yeah, and one of the reasons I put it in there, obviously we talk a lot about the the new ships that have uh, been slated and new ships that are currently under construction, but it was just good to throw in another good news story there that uh, other parts of the the maritime industry are also Mm. investing heavily in the the future of their their services, which is all great positive news, of course. It is. You know, it's interesting as well because, uh, as you mentioned about me being a bit of an av geek, well, aviation has been pretty badly damaged by COVID, just like, cruising has and one of the things that i found interesting is that i follow quite a few um aviation uh, vloggers on youtube um who used to do travel you know trip reports and travel reviews on on planes and and those are based in europe and and the united kingdom um quite a few of them have actually taken to the the ferries across the channel just to give i guess just to continue making content 
Okay. Um, but it gives you a bit of an insight as to the difference between flying versus taking a ship. And it's a bit, obviously, it's much slower, but you do get that time to be at sea, unwind. There's facilities on board. Um, and, you know, from for me, I guess, and for anybody who loves both um, ships and travel, you know, it was an opportunity to see people enjoying being at sea, even though it was during the COVID era and all the cruise ships were, were um, laid up. So um, the ferry still operated. Of course, there was restrictions on that on board, but um, many of them still ca- carried on their, their service, albeit at a, at a reduced uh, yeah. level, but there were still ships operating. So it's a much bigger, I mean, cruise ships, there's 300 or so cruise ships that are classed as cruise ships. But there's something like sixteen thousand merchant ships. <laughs> so there's many ships that are doing other things that aren't cruise ships. And I think exactly. people forget that a bit. No, they do, exactly. And um speaking of vlogging and blogging, you've generally got other things happening in the, the social media world. Anything happening on YouTube uh, this week, Chris? No, actually, Baz. I've um you know, we we were Taking on a holiday, took a took a break. I put up notices up on all my all my um social media saying I'm gonna be away for a little bit. Um, just, um, you know, it's been, as, as you know, yeah, it's been an interesting 18 months and just need a little bit of, um, a little bit of time to, to go and actually go out into the, into the forest funnily enough and, <laughs> um, and, and recharge, but we should be back next week with, um, something cruise related or, or ocean liner related on YouTube. Um, but all the other videos, there's over a hundred of them there, all at, lots, um, youtube.com. Yeah. YouTube.com slash Chris Frame official. Brilliant. And as Chris mentioned, yes, if, you, if you've got a topic even that you want Chris to cover um, as part of one of his videos, uh, by all means, get in touch. You can do so via his socials or, of course, via the podcast website. Just uh, head to bigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, you can hit and join the show. And whether it's a, a question to be aired on the podcast or you want me to pass it on for Chris to use in his uh, YouTube channel, um, just do so. And we'll, we'll share that uh, to, with that with Chris, by all means. Um, also, just a quick mention to the listeners, I have started to put some of these cruise news um, items up individually on the uh, the, uh, the website and also on social media. So uh, if you want to get some pictures that maybe sometimes go with these stories, we don't always get a chance to put it in the full show notes, but uh, some of these uh, stories do uh, pop up on the website throughout the week or on our social media channel. So uh, check back regularly on the website or even follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. All the links, of course, in the show notes as usual. Chris, it is always a pleasure, mate. Uh, thanks once again. Uh, great that we did get a couple of weeks off, but uh, great to, to get back now and get back into it. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks so much, Baz. me again just a quick reminder um if you want to help keep this podcast on air there's a little way that you can do it if you're familiar with patreon which other podcasters and youtubers use that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them we use something similar but we use a system called buy me a coffee um just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop very very similar although you're not physically buying me a coffee you're making a small donation and every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air and the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you uh, then receive priority access to the podcast because if all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live. And uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for iTunes and the other podcast directories to, to pick it up. So if you would like uh, that priority access, then the easiest way to do so is to support us via Buy Me A Coffee. You can buy one coffee, you can buy two coffees, you can buy ten coffees, or you can buy a whole year's supply. It's entirely up to you, but every single... Uh, little donation through Buy Me A Coffee is greatly appreciated. 
The links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.